0: get to come up here and I get to follow uh, Pastor Ben uh, in this series called The Best Year Yet. Hasn't this just been an amazing series? Come on. Yeah. And Pastor Ben, I mean, the past few weeks, man, my goodness, it's like week one with pursue, man, Pastor Ben just, it was so incredibly amazing about the idea of pursuing God this entire year. And then week two, he topped it. Week three, he topped it. And then I get to come up here and and, and uh, follow all of that, okay? So just bear with me this morning, okay, okay? But uh, I'm incredibly excited to talk to you guys. He talked week one about Pursue, week two about stand, week three about Trust. And I just love really the idea that 2022 can be your best year yet. How many of us want that to be true, amen? And so, look, we believe here at Victory that this year, 2022... It can really truly be the best year of your life if it's the best year of your life spiritually. If it's the best year of your life spiritually, it affects everything else in your life. And like I said, Pastor Ben talked about pursue, stand, and trust. And today what I want to talk about, it may not seem super spiritual, but what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about relationships. Everybody turn next to, you, to the person next to you say, he's going to talk about relationships. And if, it, if that's your husband or your wife, I'm hearing some some wives saying amen already, and I haven't even started. What? <laughs> like I said, it may not seem super spiritual to talk about relationships, okay? It may not seem super spiritual, but if I asked all of you in here, we're talking about 2022 being your best year yet. If I asked you the question straight up, do you want to see your relationships improve this year? I think everyone would say yes, right? We would all say, because relationships are so core to who we are. They're so important to us. It's it's been said that your life is the sum total of all your relationships. And I think that that is so wise and so true. And so, why wouldn't we think that God cares about our relationships? Why wouldn't we think that the quality of our relationships in our life maybe reflects that spiritual life that we've been talking about the past three weeks? And look, if you don't think that God cares about your relationships, I would look... At the Bible. And you, and here's the good thing. You don't even have to open the Bible up very far to get to it. Okay? Genesis chapter 2. God has created the entire universe. And again, after every single day, there's this pattern. God creates. He looks at what he's created and he says, it's good. He, he creates something else. He looks at it and he says, it's good. Everything in the universe that God created was perfect. And he looked at it and said that it was good. Until. Pull this up. Genesis chapter 2. And it says, and the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. Amen. All you wives, just remember what your husband looked like when he was living by himself, what his apartment looked like. Am I right? There were no doilies in his apartment. Can you believe that? Not a one. It's not good that man should be alone. I joke, but the truth is this God cares about your relationships. He cares about your relationship so much that when Jesus was asked, what are the two greatest commandments? Jesus said the entire entire body of all the commandments God has ever given are summed up in two commandments, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. They asked Jesus, what's the two most important rules that we could follow? And Jesus said, whoa, 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 whoa. Make sure your relationship with God is straight and make sure your relationships with people are straight. God cares about our relationships, amen? And not only does God desire that you would not be alone, but God desires that you would be in thriving, life-giving relationships. That is why, if you've been wondering why we say the word small groups, a million times before we even get to the message. It's because we believe that God desires that for you, that you would have thriving, life-giving relationships. That's what small groups are all about. And if earlier I asked if you wanted your relationships to improve in 2022, and you said yes, do not leave that paper blank. You can't leave that paper blank and say you want your relationships, that word. I'm going to say it a lot today, so I better get it right. You, you can't say you want your relationships to improve and not fill out that card, okay? We want you to get in thriving, life-giving relationships. We all agree that we want improvement in our relationships. We all believe that they're so incredibly important to us. we I think we all are on the same page this morning, right? We're all there. And so, going along with Pastor Ben's theme of... The one word message, the one word. I want to give everybody in here this morning a one word philosophy, okay? A one word philosophy on how to improve your relationships in 2022. Are you guys ready for it? Here's our one word for today fight. Some of you guys are like, I can do that. This is easy. We already fought this morning. <laughs> fought about how y'all relate to church, maybe. I don't know. Fought on the way to church this morning. Some of you guys, like, I'm, this is a little bit confusing. Let me clarify with you. Let me clarify, okay? That's a, if the one-word philosophy wasn't clear enough on how to improve your relationships in 2022, let's do three words. Can we pull the three words up? Fight with people. Does that sound good? I believe in 2022. If you want to see improvements in your relationships, you need to fight with people. Okay. Anybody been on Facebook fighting with people this morning in the comment section or something? No. Yes. Okay. Again, if the one word wasn't clear enough, the three words weren't clear enough. Let me just elaborate a little more. I. I want you to fight with your spouse. Again, y'all, I got this. I want you to fight with your kids. I want you to fight with your coworkers. Uh, kids. I want you to fight with your teachers. I want y'all to fight. <laughs> Are there any teachers in here this morning? I'm sorry. <clears throat> I want you to fight with your friends. I want you to fight with strangers on the street, okay? I want you to fight with people. Turn to somebody next to you and say fight with people. And then turn to the other person and say, is he crazy? I want you to fight with people. Now, some of you guys, like I said, this is easy. And again, if you're watching online, now would be a really bad time to tune out, okay? <laughs> but what do we mean when we're talking about fight with people? The reality is this. Is when I talk about improving your relationships to 2022, what I believe is that some of you guys in here have already tried this, been there, done that. I've tried to work on my relationships. And what happened? Whenever I tried and I did all my best effort and I did everything to make this relationship work, they made that comment. They said that thing. They did the thing that I told them not to do. quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. My goodness. But what happens when you try and improve your relationships and that other person just keeps saying that thing and keeps doing the thing and just, you know, they know the thing that will get under your skin and they just do it anyway. What happens in those times? Can we be real? Your heart starts kind of like putting on them boxing gloves, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, you you hear that thing they said? You heard that thing that they said? Look, I, I've been telling them every single week not to touch my tuna sandwich in the fridge. Your co-workers and all that. I told them every single... Look, I've to, I cannot tell you how many times I told him to pick his underwear up off the floor. And your heart starts, you know, like the boxers, the UFC right before the fight. And you're just like, just ready to go, Right? I'm ready to go. A little bit of adrenaline starts pumping. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Because you're like, okay, they hurt me. I know exactly what word to jab right back with. Amen. Amen. Your heart starts putting on the box of gloves like you're ready to go. Now, here's what I think. I don't think that urge to fight is a bad thing. In case you didn't already get that from the title of the message today. I don't think that urge to fight is a bad thing. But here's what I think would help in 2022 about improving our relationships. Is whenever you start to feel that urge. Whenever the adrenaline starts pumping. Whenever your heart starts putting on the boxing gloves. And starts getting hops and starts getting ready to say what you know you need to say in this moment. Whenever that starts happening. I want you to take that energy and redirect it in the right place. Because here's the key. Is that if you want to worship God through your relationships, you're going to come up with some of these moments of conflict. And you're going to to feel that urge to fight. You're going to feel that urge to say that thing. But what we need to do is we need to redirect that energy to the right place. So here's the adjustment that I want us to make. In that moment, when you're about to fight with somebody, when we talk about fight with people, I believe what God wants us to do in 2022 is stop fighting with people and start fighting with people. Y'all see what I did there? Stop fighting with people and start fighting with people. To be a little bit clear, stop fighting against people and start fighting alongside people. If you want to see your relationships improve in 2022... This would be the easiest shift that you can make. Just an easy pivot. I believe God has put that urge to fight inside you, but you got to redirect that energy and stop fighting against that person and start fighting alongside them. What does that look like? What does that look like? Well, I think the first thing that we need to do is we need to realize where these fights are coming from, okay? Because if you're going to want to try and improve your relationships, like I said, I know there's a ton of people in here who've been there, done that. I've tried it. And every time I do, fights come up. I'm going to tell you something. The reason that fights keep coming up between you and that other person is that you and that other person are people. It's very groundbreaking, isn't it? Their heart is beating, okay? And they're a person. And you're a person. And conflict is going to happen. So, how do we minimize these fights? How do we look? Where are these fights even coming from? I think all of us would, you know, the answer already, right? It's because they're being difficult, right? It's because they hurt my feelings. They're a jerk. They broke my trust. They're insensitive. They're tired. They're grumpy. They're having a bad day. They're a Democrat, they're a Republican. They only watch Fox News. They only watch CNN. Where's the amens coming from? That's where all the conflict's coming from. They have all these problems. But what does the Bible say? Can I rip the band-aid off this morning? Sorry, everybody. James chapter 4, verse 1. If we really want our relationships to improve, see where these fight's coming from. James is very clear. Why do you fight and argue with each other? Tell us why, James. Isn't it because you, me, are full of selfish desires that fight, fight to control your body? That verse had too much me and not enough them. Amen. What causes all the fights? Is it, I thought it was because they were grumpy. Because they're a Democrat, because they're a Republican. I thought that was what it was. I thought that's what it was. James says that it's the selfish desires that fight to control your body. The whole New Testament is full of this conflict that is raging within you, talking about how to win that battle of the Spirit of the living God living inside you, fighting against the selfish, sinful desires of the flesh, of your heart, of your mind that are waging war, fighting constantly, 24-7 within you, to take control of your life. And so, I would believe what the Bible says, that we are all sinners, that we've all fallen short, that we're all imperfect, and that when there's a conflict between you and somebody else, it has just as much to do with you as it does to do with them. It has just as much to do with me as it does with anybody else. And so the Bible outlines a great way to kind of start to shed off some of these selfish desires. Can you imagine if in conflict, if it's 50% you and 50% them, just for argument's sake here, 50% them, 50% you, and you started to shed off your 50% of why you're fighting. Do you think that that would improve things just a little bit? he's like, well, no, because then they'll win. Whatever percentage of your side of the fight gets better, the fight gets that much better. Do you all see that? There's that much less of the fight happening, okay? The Bible says we've all sinned. The Bible says that we all need the forgiveness of God. But I'm going to tell you something. The Bible also outlines, look, his number one desire in life is that you would be forgiven of your sins. That you, look, that's why Jesus came to earth and died on the cross. Is to show us how much God loves us and how much he wants to forgive you of your sins. But I'm going to stand up here today and tell you something. My sins may be forgiven, but I am still stupid. My wife is saying amen on the front row this morning. <laughs> Your sins can be forgiven, but you can still be stupid. That is why the Bible outlines this big word called sanctification. Which if you speak Spanish or anything like that, santo means holy. Sanctification is a big churchy word that literally just means holification. Hey, you need to get holified everybody, Okay. You need to get holy You need God to come in and start chipping away at these selfish desires that are within you. He does it through the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us. But I'm going to tell you something. God has actually put another method. So the Holy Spirit is His number one first method of leading and guiding you. And starting to chip away these selfish desires, these sinful desires in your life. To get you closer and closer to what His purpose and His plans for his, your life are. But there's another method that he's put in. Let's pull up Proverbs chapter 27. The Bible says this. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And look, I will be honest. As of a few months ago, I knew absolutely nothing about iron or sharpening knives or anything like that. Look, when I needed a sharp knife, my knife got dull. I bought a new knife. Amen, everybody? All the men. Can I get a gruff amen? And normally, I would lose my knife before it even had a chance to get dull. Can I get another amen from the men in here? It's just me. Okay, okay. But for any of you men who don't lose your knife, and you have in your possession like your favorite knife from 50 years ago, and you've had to sharpen it every hunting season, what happens with your knife when you sharpen it? Any of the men. It gets smaller and why does it get smaller i have a little illustration for everybody up here okay because i didn't really know much at all about sharpening knives as of a few months ago but i'm kind of started getting into it a little bit you know making knives forging fire all that kind of stuff alec devall makes some amazing beautiful works of art with knives and he's helped me a whole bunch but i'm gonna bring up two pieces of iron up here okay i've got what's called a file can I see that And then a blank knife. Look at this. It's not sharp at all. Anybody see that? Okay. So when you sharpen the knife and the file, the best method to sharpen iron with iron is to get it in one big room in the same room for one hour every Sunday morning. And the fire will be over there and the knife will be over there for an hour. And when they come out, they're sharp. Like I said, I've learned a lot the past few months, okay? But not really. If iron is supposed to sharpen iron... Let me put this microphone down for a second. I'm going to put it right here so y'all can hear the lovely noise, okay? You get the iron in contact with the other iron, and you just make this nasty lovely sound for hours and hours and hours and hours. Now Alec will probably tell you as somebody who knows how to make knives that there's much faster ways to do it, but if iron is going to sharpen iron, that's the way that it happens. And the reason it gets smaller over time, men is. Oh, man. I just spilled all the stuff I was going to show y'all. Okay. Let me do this again. Here we go. The reason it gets smaller. The people who have been married can really get that. Is because what you're doing, everyone can kind of see that? No. Trust me. It's really. Powerful illustration. (laughs) The reason you can't see it is because what I've been doing is literally just scraping microscopic pieces of the iron off of the iron. And I'm going to tell you something. God has put 7 billion files walking around the earth to sharpen you. To get in contact with you and start to scrape off all those pieces that keep you from being sharp. That keep you from what you were designed and created to be. A knife that is not sharp is not a knife. It is a piece of metal. And I'm going to tell you something. If you are not getting in contact with some of these files that are walking around... That you think they just got a rough personality, you need to get scraped. And I'm gonna tell you something the sharpening process is not easy, and it's not clean. Your hands have dirt and the metal filings all over it. You're blowing metallic snot out of your nose, okay? Very spiritual this morning, I know, right? It's not an easy process. It's not a clean process. And I'm going to tell you something. Mistakes even happen in the middle of that process. Lots of mistakes. But you can't give up just because one mistake was made. Because the the key is, is when that mistake happens, you just have to file a little bit more to fix that mistake. you got to come in contact even more to make that mistake. If a mistake was made in the middle of sharpening this knife... And I said, oh, I give up. I forget about it. And I throw these knives separate away from each other again. The knife would never get sharp. Amen? It's all about the contact. So how do we get in contact with each other the right way? Because it's not as simple as that. I'm sure Alec is probably cringing, you know, watching how I did that. But there's proper ways to do this. So how do we get to scraping, everybody? How do we get to where God starts to chip away that sinful desire, the sinful nature within us by coming in contact with the people around us? I got three takeaways for us today to kind of see what we do. How do we get to scraping? How do we fight alongside people instead of fighting against them? Okay? So three takeaways. Number one is this fight the real enemy. Fight the real enemy. I was saying earlier, fight with your spouse, fight with your kids, fight with your coworker, all that stuff. In those moments where conflict comes up, if we want to improve our relationships in 2022, that this would be the best year yet. We know God desires we have thriving, life-giving relationships. When we try and that conflict comes up, your heart starts putting on the boxing gloves. You need to fight the real enemy and realize that your spouse is not the enemy. Your kids are not the enemy. Your boss is not the enemy. The Alabama fan is not. Well, let's not go there, okay. We'll make an exception there. Um, But the Alabama fan is not the enemy. Ephesians chapter 6 says this all about the fight that we're supposed to be fighting. And please, please, please look at this. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We are not fighting against them. Even when you do fight with them, you're not fighting against them. Imagine if you had Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield in the same ring with each other and they just started jumping in the crowd trying to punch the person in the crowd. We would all be like, what is happening? That's not who he's supposed to Supposed to be fighting. When you're standing right up to your, your spouse or your kids or your boss or your co-worker or whatever, and we just start jumping right into it. And, oh, you're this and you're just like your mom or you're just like your dad. Or you, look, it's because of that thing you did 30 years ago. And, oh, you do this every single week and blah, 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 blah. You're jumping in the crowd and you're fighting somebody you're not supposed to be fighting. Y'all get that? I'm not saying you're not supposed to point things out. I'm not saying you're not supposed to correct people. I'm not saying that. But I'm talking like when you start throwing those verbal punches. And y'all know what I mean. There's a difference between constructive criticism and the verbal punches. Amen. The Bible says what you're really truly supposed to be fighting in that moment is the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world, against the evil spirits in the heavenly places. Every opportunity for conflict is an opportunity for you to put those boxing gloves on in your heart and war in the spirit against the the designs and the plans that the devil has for your life, for your family, for your marriage, for your friendships. That is an opportunity for you to fight the real enemy. Can I get an amen this morning? You need to fight alongside people. Fight the real enemies. Fight the devil who has his designs to crumble your marriage to crumble your friendships to crumble your family the selfish desire that is literally just the slave of the enemy who is is they're behind look your flesh your heart the bible says your heart is deceitful among uh, above all things the devil is the deceiver the heart is just behind enemy lines trying to get you to be stupid And you need to fight against the selfish desires that are within you. You need to fight against the devil who has his desire for your family. And you need to fight and stand up and say, no, I am going to listen to the Spirit's guidance in this moment. I'm going to listen to the Spirit's guidance in my marriage and in my relationships and in my family and at my workplace. I'm going to listen to the Spirit's guidance. Don't fight against people. Fight alongside them. Haven't you ever heard the saying that hurt people hurt people? In that moment, in that moment where that person is hurting you. man, some people hurt you 90 times before noon. In that moment where they're hurting you, instead of that typical approach that we get, oh, there they go again. In that moment, let it be just a red flag to you to ask the question of what is hurting them right now. If that person is hurting you, ask the question, what is hurting them right now? So that's the first step. And that leads us to the second. Fight against the real enemy. The second one is this. Fight off discouragement. Fight off the things that are hurting them. Fight off the things that are discouraging them. Proverbs chapter 18 says this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The words that you speak can create a whole different world for the person that you're in the room with. If you go back to the very beginning, how was the whole entire universe created by God? The Word. Let there be light. Let it be, and it was. And I'm going to tell you something. Did you not know that you are created in the image of God? So death and life are in the power of your tongue. When you look at your child and you say, You're so stupid. What world are you creating for them to live in? But if you look at them and you say, it's okay, I made mistakes. You're going you're gonna to rise above this. This is, look, you may have made this mistake, but that's not who you are. And what happens when our mouth starts to sound like the mouth of God in their lives? What happens when What world are we creating for our spouse to live in? What world are we creating for our kids to to live in? What world are we creating for our friends? And what words are coming out of our mouth? Maybe that person who's hurt, that's hurting you, maybe they're still reeling from some word you said six months ago. And you could take that thorn out of their flesh with just another healing word. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. John Maxwell says it this way, people become what they're encouraged to be. We need to fight off discouragement in our life. I love this illustration that uh, UCLA basketball coach John Wooden once said. He was a believer. He loved the Lord. And he's, I think, the winningest basketball coach in college history. Incredible basketball coach. And he encouraged his players This was his rule for his players. What he told them was when you go score a basket every single time you score, you need to look for the person who gave you that awesome pass. Look for that person who set up the pick or whatever it was to where you could score. And every time you give them a nod, you give them a wink, you give them some word that says, I saw what you did. And the story goes that one of his players as he was giving them that rule, said, well, what if they're not looking? And Coach Wooden said, I guarantee he'll look. Because everybody's looking for encouragement. The founder of Chick-fil-A said it this way, how do you identify somebody who needs encouragement? That person is breathing. And I'm going to tell you something. The bigger you are in somebody's life, the bigger your words are in their life. Like if after the message, if I say do a message on a Sunday morning, and you know somebody comes up and tells me "good job," that warms my heart. But I'm telling you, when my wife says "good job," I feel like I could like throw a football over the mountains. You know, <laughs> it's like it's like ten foot tall. As big as you are in somebody's life the bigger your words are, the bigger the impact they can have. And so today is not a day for shame, okay? If you've made some of these mistakes before in the lives of your spouse or your kids or whatever, today's not a day for shame. But instead for godly sorrow, like Paul talks about, he says, God, the, the sorrow of the world, shame, guilt, all that stuff, it just leads to death. But godly sorrow leads to repentance, and if you felt that as we're talking this morning, I'm going to tell you something. Don't don't just let it drive you into a pit. Let it drive you to change and repent and change your way to start reflecting the words of God in the life of the people around you. And I'm going to. tell Yes. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something. There's no time that people need encouragement more. When they're at their worst. There's no time that people need it more when they're they're at their worst, when they've made the biggest failure of their life, when they've let you down. But how can we reflect the heart of God in people's lives? If we really truly believe God wants our relationships to thrive in 2022, if we really truly believe that God desires that this would be the best year of our life yet in our relationships, can we look to what Jesus did in our own lives when we were at our worst? In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says this, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It doesn't say that when we were at our best, Christ died for us. It doesn't say that when we were on top of the mountain and we had accomplished that great thing. That was when Jesus decided to demonstrate his love for us. That's not what it says. It says when you were at your worst is when God said, "I, I need to make this display of how great I love them, how great I desire them, how much I want to forgive them. And that leads us to this last thing. We talk about fighting the real enemy. We talk about fighting off discouragement. But today, I want us to look at fight to forgive. Some of you guys, you want this year to be the best year yet relationship-wise. And maybe as we're speaking right now this morning, you and your spouse are going through something. You and your kids are going through something. You and your best friend from high school or whoever somebody who is so close to you you're going through something right now and you're hurting it feels like a part of you has died maybe but fight to forgive because if if you haven't got anything from today i hope that you would latch on to this idea that the bible says that we are all imperfect that we are all sinners and we all need a savior and we all need forgiveness And to forgive somebody is not to say that what they did wasn't wrong. Forgiveness is saying, I'm not going to continue the cycle of wrong. Forgiveness is saying, yes, it costs something. Yes, it costs me something emotionally. Yes, maybe it costs some of my time. Yes, maybe it costs some of your money even. Yes, but forgiveness is saying, I'm going to swallow the cost because what did God do for us on the cross? The Bible says our debt was paid. Forgiveness is releasing them from the debt, saying, Yes, you've made a mistake, but I'm not gonna make you pay for it. Yes, you made a mistake, but I'm gonna release you from the debt and I'm going to release myself from the bitterness and the slavery that that bitterness causes. Because you see, unforgiveness, bitterness, you may have heard it said before, is like swallowing poison and waiting for the other person to die. You say, we get so offended so easily. And what does Jesus say? The disciples came up to him and they said, they keep saying this thing over and over and over again. They keep, they keep doing this thing that I've told them not to do a million times, over and over. They keep doing it and they keep doing it. And God, how long do I have to keep up this forgiveness that you talk about? And Jesus said in Matthew 18, they, they said, how many times do we forgive them? Seven times? And Jesus said, it's not seven times, 70 times, seven times. Was just an illustration Jesus uses, said, You just keep doing it. No, it's not get your notebook and start a tally of 490 times. It's keep forgiving. Keep forgiving. Keep forgiving. Keep forgiving. Keep forgiving. Because I want to ask you a question Do you think that you have sinned more than 490 times in your life? I know that I have. And so what Jesus is doing is not just giving us some impossible command. Jesus is saying, look at what I have done for you. Look at what I've done for you. So if we want to look at how do we fight to forgive, how do we do this? Forgiveness comes from forgivenness. You can only really truly forgive someone when you've experienced the forgiveness of Jesus in your life. Because until you've experienced the true, full, eternal forgiveness of Jesus in your heart and in your soul, you're going to believe in your heart that you've got to pay back that debt, that impossible debt. And you're going to keep coming up short. And you're going to keep coming up short. And so in turn, what you're going to do is you're going to make the other person try and pay off their debt. And keep paying off their debt. But only when you've experienced the true forgiveness of Jesus. When his blood on the cross saying, yes, what you did was wrong. Yes, what you did was wrong. But I'm going to absorb the cost. You don't have to pay for it anymore because I've paid for it on the cross. You see, God's forgiveness costs something. If somebody ever asks you, well, why does God forgive you? You you don't have to just say, well, that's just who he is. He forgives you because Jesus paid the cost for you. He paid the cost. And Ephesians 4.32 says this, Be kind and compassionate one to another. Just because. No. It says forgive each other just as in Christ. God forgave you absorb the cost pay the price it may hurt to say I forgive you but how much more did it hurt God our Savior to look at us and say I forgive you it cost his blood it cost his sweat it cost his tears it cost his life to say that he forgives us and yet the Bible says for the joy set before him he endured the cross it says he was overjoyed to do it For you and for me. Doesn't that move you? Isn't it beautiful? The love that God has for you. Isn't it beautiful? His forgiveness. And so Paul is not appealing to some logic. He's not appealing. What he's appealing to is. Have you glimpsed. The wonder of his forgiveness. Because if you have. Then forgive just as Christ has forgiven you. I just love that. So, what do we do? In 2022, let's make it clear to the people in our lives that we believe in them. Let's remember they're not our enemies. Let's encourage them. And when they make mistakes, not if, but when they make mistakes, Let's forgive them just as we have been forgiven. What I want to do this morning, everybody, wherever you're at with your heads, bowed your eyes, closed this morning. I just ask you to do that with us this morning. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Like I said, forgiveness comes from forgiveness. Some of you guys, as I'm up here talking about that this morning, you realize that maybe you never really, truly experienced God's forgiveness. Maybe you've never accepted his forgiveness. The Bible outlines Salvation eternal life it outlines the way that we are saved the way that we are forgiven the way that we are made new is not by some effort of our own but it's only by accepting the gift of forgiveness that Jesus paid for with his blood on the cross for you and for me so if you want to do that this morning We're going to pray a quick prayer. And I just ask that you would pray this prayer this morning. If you want to accept God's gift of forgiveness, I would ask this morning that you would just raise your hand in the room. Nobody's looking around. If that's you and you want to pray that prayer this morning, just raise your hand this morning. Amen. Amen. Awesome, church family. Let's go ahead and pray this prayer out loud. With all those who raise their hands, let's just join with them so nobody prays alone. And it's not the words of this prayer that save you, but it's your heart of reaching out to God for forgiveness, admitting that you're a sinner, believing that He died on the cross to forgive you, and accepting the gift that He's given. So if that's you this morning. I say, all of us in the room, let's pray together with those who raise their hands. Say, Dear Jesus, we thank you this morning for forgiving us. God, I thank you that you died on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner, that I've made mistakes, and I've run far from you. But I accept your forgiveness this morning. And I believe that you died on the cross to forgive me. I confess that you are the Lord of my life. I commit my life to you in Jesus name. We pray everybody say a good amen this morning. Can we clap our hands for those who prayed that prayer this morning?